Oh 
Assembly, welcome. It's great to be with you. Great to worship with you tonight. My name is Jill. I'm one of our community life pastors here and want to say welcome and a special welcome to anyone who is new or visiting. So if you found us online, a friend invited you, if you're a guest tonight, we are so, so glad that you have chosen to be with us. We have a connection card in your seat backs. You can fill that out as a way to let us know that you're new and drop it in the offering bags when they come around in just a moment. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you. We also have a new people's table.
table out in the lobby with a free welcome gift. So be sure to stop by there on your way out of service as well. And then as always, we want to say a very special welcome to all those who are joining us online. And so if that's you and you're with us online, welcome. And we're so glad that you are with us. We guys have a couple of announcements for us today. First, we are already in the planning phase for our upcoming Easter weekend services happening. It's going to be awesome happening on April 8th and 9th. And so we are so excited to celebrate with you and your guests and those that you invite as we get to celebrate our risen King together. And so we want to give you just a few details about service times and how our services are going to work for that weekend. So on Saturday, April 8th, we are going to have services at 4 PM right here in our South sanctuary. And then we will also have services at 6 15 p.m. and those will happen right here in our south sanctuary as well as across the street in our north sanctuary and then on sunday april 9th we will have services at 9 a.m and 11 15 a.m and our sunday morning services will take place here in the south sanctuary across the street in the north sanctuary and we have a special outdoor tented venue across the street on the north campus so we'll also host service in our north tent which will be fun and exciting so so those are our service times and locations. Right now, what we would love to invite you to do is there is an RSVP card in your bulletin. And if you could take a moment and grab that, it looks like this, you can grab your Easter RSVP card. And what we wanna do is give you a moment to fill this out. This is not a ticket. This just helps us on the planning side of things. So if you can take a moment to fill this out and let us know which service times you plan to attend, how many guests are coming with you, and you can also use this card as a way to tell us if you'd like to volunteer with our kids' church or welcome and hospitality teams for Easter weekend. So take a moment right now, fill this card out. We've got some instrumental music in the background for you. And please take a moment to fill that out. So if you are still filling that out, feel free to continue to fill that out. But in just a moment, when our offering bags come around, you can drop that in the offering bags. And just one last reminder, this is not a ticket. This just helps us on the planning side of things. So thanks for filling that out to help us out. Well, two other announcements for us. You guys were really excited about some upcoming conferences happening here on our Christian Assembly Church campus. So first, for the women, ladies, we are so excited for our upcoming women's conference happening on March 24th and 25th. You don't want to miss this. Uh, we're going to have worship, awesome teaching from God's word. We've got a raffle, some workshops planned. So please plan to join us for that. You can get more information and register for women's conference on our website. And then our fusion 18 to 35 year old community is also hosting the fusion revive conference. And that is happening in the month of April. And they'll have worship sessions and teaching as well as some workshops on different topics like dating, prayer, mental health, and other things. So you can get more info about that and register for the fusion conference on our website as well. Well, now is the time in our service where we get to continue in our worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And let me read to us what Psalm 136.26 says. It says, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. And one of the ways that we give our thanks and our gratitude to God is through the giving of our tithes and offerings. So in just a moment, we'll pass the offering bags. As always, you can give online through our Christian Assembly LA app or on our website. And as always, we want to say thank you for your ongoing giving and generosity, Christian Assembly. So would you join me as we pray together? Father God, thank you so much for all that you have given to us. Thanks for the gift of another day to be alive, to be loved by you, to be used by you for your glory and your kingdom, God. 
And Lord, we pray that you would make us generous and that you would make us grateful and thankful people. And God, we pray even now for our upcoming Easter weekend services. God, we pray that you would bring people who aren't even yet part of Christian assembly or who aren't even yet part of your family and that there would, people who, there would be people who come and hear the good news of what you've done for us for the first time and give their lives to you, Jesus. God, would you prepare our hearts for Easter? Would you prepare this campus and all the staff and teams involved? And would you just be glorified as we celebrate all that you've done for us through Jesus's life and death and resurrection? So we pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. The ushers may come forward and you can turn your attention to the side screens. FCA is experiencing growth like we've never seen before. The influence that you're having on these kids and these athletes and coaches. And they're going to affect the community for generations. We're going to the ball fields. We're going to the courts. And that's what's so powerful about the FCA. We go to where the coaches and athletes are. And now more than ever, we desire fellowship. Because we are not designed to walk this life alone. It's about the impact you have on others' lives. But the influence, the ripple effect, it carries generations and generations. Today, we're in over a hundred countries with leaders around the world to bring life change. The gospel is bearing fruit and spreading throughout the whole world. And we're just scratching the surface. We're called as disciples of Christ to make disciples. So that I can make disciples who are able to make other disciples. So now more than ever, as we look into the future, we see this desire, this passion, men and women, boys and girls, dedicated as a disciple to go make disciples. Since the very beginning, FCA has always been Jesus Christ, coaches and athletes. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Well, hello everybody. My name's Matt. If uh, you're visiting, great to have you with us. And I get to highlight for us this weekend our value of God's kingdom and the message of the gospel going out, changing lives. And uh, you got to see that video uh, all about FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is a way of bringing the life-changing message of the gospel onto school campuses and to present it to teenagers and to, uh, to students in their youth. The Bible, you know, says something very wise and true about youth, that it's, it's the time to know God, to come to faith in God. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Honor him in your youth before you grow old and the difficult days come. Anybody say amen to that? That is truth. And so we want to be a church that helps to support this effort of the gospel reaching students. And as, as a local church, we do that primarily through our support of a young man named Josh Brote, uh, who is here with us, and I want you to get to hear uh, his heart for youth. Josh, would you come? And church, would you welcome Josh? 
Thanks, man. So Josh works with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, making certain uh, to bring the gospel to school campuses all across L.A. County and the San Fernando Valley and that area. And I, I just want you to get to hear this guy's heart for students. So Josh, would you share with Absolutely. us? Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Hey, CA family. How you guys doing? Good. Awesome. It's good to be with you. Uh, thank you, first of all, for your support. Man, it means a lot to my wife and I. Uh, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about FCA and uh, share what it is we do and um, just let you know how your support actually matters and makes a difference. You're actually helping to lead coaches and athletes into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. That's the mission of FCA. So FCA is, uh, man, we do a lot of stuff. We do camps, we do clinics, and we do events uh, off campus as well. But one of our major things that we focus on is our huddles, our campus ministries. And our huddles consist of, well, they're basically student-led clubs on campus where we get a chance to share the gospel. It's beautiful. Um, our huddles typically are like once a month, um, and we have food, free food, games, fun, fellowship. Did I say free food? We have free food. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, guest speakers, it's, it's awesome, right? That's once a month. And then we have our leadership meetings and we have our uh, student leadership meetings. We also have our Bible studies as well uh, when we're not having our huddles. And so our method of ministry is to engage, then equip, then empower those we lead. Right, and so typically speaking, our, our uh, leadership meetings and our Bible studies are done with just the adults who are leading and the students who are leading, right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Glendale High School, which is one of the five campuses that I'm on these days. Um, Glendale High has eight student leaders. I think we might have a picture of them uh, that they can show right there. There we are. Um, and so these eight student leaders are amazing kids and they are already engaged with the gospel, right? So the next step for them is to equip them. So we've given them Bibles and obviously t-shirts um, and we've equipped them also with something called the core, which is eight essential sports-minded Bible studies basically, right? And so these students have gone through this Bible study and they said to me, Josh, well, why don't we actually invite people to the Bible study as well. I said, hey, that's a great idea. I'm glad you thought of it, right? And so uh, they invited these students to come to this Bible study on January 17th. This was very recent, right? And there were 20 students there. These students led the Bible study and four students gave their lives to Christ. Yeah, we can clap for that. That's awesome, right? <laughs> So this is what I do. This is what I get to do. This is what I love, you guys. I love to be able to do this, to see coaches and athletes come closer to Jesus and involve themselves with the local church. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so again, thank you for being a part of this. You already are a part of this. You're impacting students like these on the screen here. You're impacting their lives. But if you want to actually volunteer with me as well, hey, that's an added plus. So if you want to come out uh, afterwards in the lobby and talk with me, I would love to talk with you more. There's all sorts of ways that you could be involved on campuses like Glendale High um, through our events and ministry as well. So come talk with me afterwards if you'd like. Thank you, guys. God bless. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. I'm grateful that we're able to support this ministry financially through what we give together as a local church once a month and our kingdom offering. We're going to give that together in just a moment. But would you pray with me for Josh and for FCA? Lord, we are grateful 
for your love for students and youth throughout our city. God, I thank you that on, on campuses of all kinds, uh, public schools, private schools, Lord, that your gospel is being shared and spoken about, that students are coming to know you. Lord, we pray for Glendale High School just right down the road. God, that you would continue to grow the work that is being done there, that you would fan that into flames, Lord, that, that there would be a, a growing number of more and more students and coaches and faculty that would come to find the hope that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you reproduce that over and over and over again on all the campuses. God, and we pray you bless Josh. Give him everything he needs for this work. Give him the provision that he needs, Lord. Bless he and joy. God, as, bless their marriage, Lord, as they support one another in this work. God, bless him with all of your goodness and grace, we pray. And together as a church family, in Jesus' name, we say amen. Thank you so much, Josh. Well, the, uh, the ushers are ready to receive as we give together this, this kingdom offering once a month that goes to efforts like Josh and his FCA work, as well as our other kingdom partners. If you're visiting, don't feel any obligation to give, uh, but to those who do, God bless you as you give together. And one last word I want to let you know about is a prayer walk that we invite you uh, to take with us on March 19th just a couple of hours from 1 to 3, uh, to gather and to spread out and to walk the, our local streets and to pray for our city. You can find some information about that in the bulletin uh, this weekend. God bless you as you give together. Well, gang, it is great to be with you. And uh, if you're a visitor guest, my name is Tom. What an honor and a privilege to have you here <clears throat> with us. In fact, uh, turn to your neighbor real quick and just say to them, you're a hearty soul, right? So just turn to them. <clears throat> You're a hearty soul. And those of you online want to welcome you as well. You might be saying, why, why is he having him say that? Well, we, we had snow in Los Angeles. Like, it's amazing, right? I mean, I had somebody ask, you know, are, are we still having services this weekend? Like, I'm, like, I'm from Pittsburgh. I know how to preach inside while it's snowing outside. Like, they taught me that in Pittsburgh. This is a skill I have. So, anyways, uh, if you are online, I want to welcome you. So glad that you are here. I love you, church. I, I pray for you. Maybe you're a visitor guest, and I, I pray for you as well. I want to thank you. Last month, we highlighted Kids Hope during our kingdom time, and we had a number of kids on the waiting list that we're hoping to get off the waiting list. And so many of you responded, and I want to thank you for that. We're taking kids off the waiting list, matching them with mentors, prayer partners, and everything. So way to go on that. Well, we are in a series entitled Real ID, where we're looking at the fact that the truest thing about you is not really even what you 
say about you or what you feel about you, what others feel about you? How many of you know that one day you can feel great about yourself and the next day you don't feel so great about yourself, right? So we can't just kind of go on what our emotions or our own thoughts might be or, or what anybody else might be thinking. We're going off of what God's Word says. The truest thing about us is what God says. Well, think back to the first time you were ever hired for a job. If you're a student, maybe think for a time you were selected for a team or invited to join a musical or theater production or some other group. What was your very first job? You remember what it was? My first official job was when I was in eighth grade and I was hired as a stock boy at a local grocery store. And do you remember the joy of being hired? Over the years, I've had the joy of getting to hire many different people. In each case, there was a great joy when I would meet with the person or I'd call the person and I would offer them the job. Why? Why is there great joy when you're offered a job? Even if you're going to turn it down, why is there great joy? Because you know that somebody is saying, we want to work with you. We see something of value or skill, something in your character, something about your chemistry, something about what you're going to bring to our team that we think is going to make the team stronger as we do our shared mission together. It's so encouraging when someone says, I want to be on a team with you. So often with our staff team, uh, I'll say to them, thank you for letting me be on your team. It's a, it's a joy to get to serve with this team. Now, consider the moment when the call, uh, consider for a moment if that call didn't come just from a, a human employer. Imagine for a moment if your cell phone rang and the caller ID said God. God has your number. And imagine you pick up the phone and you say, hey God, how are you doing? And God says to you, I'm calling you because I want to make you my coworker, I put some qualities and gifts in you that I want to call out of you that I can use for good if you'll work with me, if you'll join my team. I've got some projects happening and people that I'm wanting to help, and you would be the perfect candidate to help them and help me do just that for and with them. Now, wouldn't it be just mind-blowing if God called you up and hired you? Wouldn't that just be mind-blowing? And yet that is the reality of what the Scriptures teach us. Because according to the Bible, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then part of your real idea is this, that you are God's co-worker. We're going to consider that, but before we do, let's pray. So God, we thank you for the gift of even the snow that's fallen and the joy that brings for so many of us who don't get to experience that on a regular basis. But Lord, even more, we thank you for the joy that we know that you love us. And God, as we come to your word, would you speak to us? I pray for those who are spiritually convinced and those who are spiritually unconvinced that you would call our name or call our name again. Hire us. Invite us onto the team 
that you are creating, as your word says. Help us to not only hear your word, but apply it in each one of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, flip it open to the center section. You'll see the teaching notes that you can fill out throughout our time. As we go, you'll also see the scripture verses that are there that we'll be digging into. In the very first book of the Bible that is entitled Genesis, God is revealed as someone who does work. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus says in John chapter 5 verse 17, he says, but Jesus answered them to this very day, my father is at his work and I too am working. Let's just pause there for a moment. Maybe we could even just kind of camp out the rest of the time. We won't, but we could camp out the rest of the time there because isn't it good news for you to hear that God is at work? Where do you need to just be reminded of that? To the, this very day, Jesus says, my Father is at work and I too am working. Where do you need to be reminded that God is at work? And not just at work, but at work for good for those who love Him. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. In all things. That means in the things that you understand and you can see how God is at work and you understand how God is at work. And that also means in the other things that you don't understand and you can't see how God is at work or you can't even fathom how God could be at work through that thing. God is at work in all things. If you love God and have been called according to His purpose, in all things, God works for your good. That is mind-blowing, soul-lifting stuff right there. Go a little further in the New Testament, and Paul writes this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, For we are God's co-workers. And again later in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, as God's co-workers, he says, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So part of our real ID is that God works and he invites us to be his co-workers. So what do we need to know in order to anchor our identity in that truth in a way that both helps us as well as helps us others around us in our everyday life because one of the things we've been saying in this series is that if you anchor your identity in your real id and who god says you are that not only helps you but it also helps everybody around you but if you refuse to do that then then you don't help yourself but you're also not helping others around you the first thing we see is this is that when it comes to being god's co-worker it is god's work that he asks us to do with him, not the other way around. In these verses, we are workers together with God. Paul never says, God works together with us. In other words, it isn't our work that God helps us with. It is his work that he asks us to do together with him. Psalm 127.1, one of my favorite verses, says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Let me ask you, have you ever done something like this? Have you ever prayed and said, okay, God, listen, 
here's what I want to do. So please bless me in this thing that I want to do. Amen. And then you go do the thing and the thing goes sideways and it's not blessed. It's a train wreck. And you're left wondering, where was God's help and how was that a blessing? You ever done that? I've done that. God, here, here's my agenda for my life. I would like you to make my agenda for my life come to pass. And I, I even I prayed prayers like this. I mean, you're probably too nice to pray these prayers, but I've prayed prayers and said, God, not only here's my agenda for my life, but here's my agenda for everybody else's life. <laughs> and this is what I would like you to do in everybody else's life, usually so that my life can be okay and I don't have to be worried about anything. I've done that. But it's a radically different thing to pray and say, okay, God, I'm yours. I was bought with a price. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, however long you want me to do it, whoever you want me to do it with, I'm yours. I don't want to do my thing. I want to do your thing. I want to join you in whatever it is that you want me to do. Help me to know and to do what you want me to do. Help me to have the courage to do what you want me to do. That's a radically different prayer. Jesus says it this way in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I, I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. When I was younger, I used to think, that doesn't even make any sense. What do you mean apart from you I can do nothing? It's like I do all sorts of stuff all the time. You know, the older I get, the more that verse makes sense to me. Because apart from me, Tom, you can do nothing that's going to be lasting and have great value and impact for me, for my kingdom, for the good of others and the glory of God. In other words, instead of trying to get God to help us with our work, we need to find out what God's work is and what role we have to play in that. And then step forward in confidence and courage and do that with him. The second thing we see is this. If you're going to be a co-worker with God, you must first be co-workers with God in your own hearts. The first place that God invites you to be his co-worker is not out there somewhere. It's not those people out there that, that he first asks you to go and co-work with him. The famous Russian author and Christian named Leo Tolstoy once said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. How many times have you heard somebody say, I want to go change the world? You don't often hear, I want to go change myself. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. The first work of God is that I partner with him is not somewhere out there. It's right here. It's in my heart. For you, it's in your heart. Let me ask you a question that I've been asking myself in preparation for this message. How's my heart doing these days? How's your heart doing these days? Is it humble? Is it tender before the Lord? Is it filled with courage and joy and endurance and strength? Or has it grown maybe some calluses 
in some places or towards some people. Paul writes this to the church in the city of Philippi. He says in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, now only, uh, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. So we're working out what God has worked at into us, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Notice here that you're, you're, working, you're not working for your salvation. We don't work for our salvation. We are working out our salvation. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're to think like this. Well, since I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, what should my heart look like now? And what we see is that God is the one who's at work in you. So often whenever I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, well, uh, <clears throat> I know what the Bible says about whatever topic, uh, but I don't even want to do that. I don't even want to be part of that. I don't want to pray. I, I don't want to give. I don't want to serve. I don't want to share. I, I don't want to. And whenever they say that, I say, okay, well, that, that's all right. Then what you need to do is you need to say, God, here's my honest prayer. I don't want to. But would you work in me and give me the desire to want to? Would you give me the desire to want to? I don't even want to. But would you give me the desire to want to? Would you do that work in me? And we see it as God who is at work in you. And so this is where we see, even in our own hearts, God is at work empowering us to will meaning to desire, to will, and to work to become part of His goodness. And He invites us to become co-workers first in our hearts. And then, what does it look like to work out our salvation? What does it look like to be a co-worker with God? Well, thankfully, we don't have to guess because the verses earlier in the same chapter uh, from Philippians 2 and some after, it gives us a clear vision of what it means to be a co-worker with God in our own hearts. Here, here's what it says. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, have the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. How are we doing on that one? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus and then a little bit later in verse 14, do all things without murmuring and arguing. How are we doing on that one? So that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. Show hands. How many of you have ever done anything out of selfish ambition or conceit? Right? It's like, me too. How many of us have ever done anything with murmuring and arguing? Right? Yeah, me too. How about this one? 
How many of you have ever done the right thing, but with the wrong heart motivation? Right? Person irritates you. You act loving to them because you know it's the right thing to do, but you're murmuring in your heart. You're not murmuring out loud to them, but you're murmuring in your heart to them. Or maybe you're murmuring in your heart towards God. God, do you see this person? Do you see this fool that you put me around? I have to deal with this. Why do you put these people around me? I've never thought that about anybody. But I'm just thinking what you people, you people must think these things about the people that are around you. That's what I... Part of the reason it's so critical at first to be a coworker with God in our own hearts is that if you do not do that, what is in your heart will eventually come out. The third thing we see is this, is that we're called to be God's co-workers in both general and unique ways. So many people will say to me, Tom, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. And usually what they mean is some decision that they have to make or, you know, do I marry this person or that person, take that job or this job, go to this school or that school? Like, what do I do? What city do I move to? They want to know God's unique will for their life. And they'll come and, and some of them think like, you know, well, Tom, you're a pastor. You should have like a crystal ball or a direct pipeline to be able to tell me. And, and I'm so disappointing as a pastor to them because when they come, I'm like, I don't have a crystal ball about your life. But let me, let me just say this. This is what I say to them. I'll say, let's, instead of talking about God's will for your life, let's just talk about God's will. How are you doing on God's general will? Like the revealed will of God as recorded in God's word. Because if we're not doing that, then why would we think that we would do the unique will of God? Well, God, I don't want to do the general stuff. I mean, I know you say love your neighbor and all that stuff, but really I just want to know what decision I should make. And God's saying, well, start with my general will and then I'll show you the unique ways I want you to live. Much of the work of God and that, that God calls us to fits within the general ways we're to co-work with Him. Things like this, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbors as yourself, from Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. To care for creation, that's one of the things God tells us to do. When I talk about caring for creation, some people can only hear that through the lens of politics. And, and I tell them, your idol is showing Like, you don't have to be a Democrat to like the environment. You, you, can, you can care for creation because God's Word says care for creation. It goes on in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, be reconciled and united with one another. Tom, what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is to be reconciled and united with one another. Is there anyone you're not reconciled with? You're not united with? Acts 1.8, share the gospel with others. How are we doing on that? Colossians 1.9-12, pray for one another. 1 Peter 4.10, serve one another. James 2, verse 14 and 17, care for the poor. Micah 6.8, one of my favorite verses, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. You see, if you're following Christ, you can't really say, God hasn't called me to love my neighbor. You can't say that. If you're following Christ, you can't say, well, God hasn't called me to share 
about his good news with others. You can't say that if you're following Christ. You can't say if you're following Christ. Well, you know, I know some people like to care for the poor, but I'm following Jesus. And, uh, you know, as I follow Jesus, he doesn't want me to care for the poor. You can't follow Jesus and, and with any sense of intellectual or heartfelt integrity say, well, he wants everybody else to care for the poor, but not me. You can't say, God hasn't called me to act justly. God hasn't called me to serve others. God hasn't called me to be reconciled and united with one another. Those are some of the general ways that God calls us to co-work with him. But God also has unique ways that he's uniquely created each of us uniquely to do as you come to Christ. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. He's speaking to Christians. They've placed their faith in Christ. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus anew to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are a unique person. If you think about this for a moment, it's mind-blowing. God never created anyone else before who is exactly like you are in all ways. You think about like billions of people alive on the planet and you're unique. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. No one else has the exact same DNA that you have. No one else has the exact same set of relationships that you have in the exact same way that you do. No one else has the exact same influence that you have. No one else has the exact same combination of all of that. And then on top of that, the spiritual gifts that you have as well in that situation. And God has prepared in advance good works for you to uniquely do. It's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing privilege. Let me just use my own life as an example, and I'm hoping that as I do this, you'll be able to apply it to your unique life. I wear a bunch of different hats, um, just like you do. Your hats are probably different than mine, but certainly you wear more than one hat. So for example, this is what I mean. Um, So one of my hats is I'm a follower of Jesus. Another hat, you know, I'm a husband. Um, I'm a dad to three kids. I'm an employee. I'm a boss. I'm a neighbor. I'm a pastor and more. And underneath all of that is my real ID that I'm God's coworker. So that means everywhere I go in any setting, my question is this, God, how are you at work? And how are you inviting me to work with you in your work? It applies to all the hats I just mentioned. God, how are you at work in my workplace? How are you at work with with my coworkers? And how are you inviting me to be part of the work you're doing? God, how are you at work with my family? How are you at work with my wife? How are you at work with my son who's in college on the other side of the country? How are you at work with my, my daughter who's a junior in high school? How are you at work with my son who's in seventh grade? How are you at work, God? And how are you inviting me to be part of it? God, how are you at work in our church family? And how are you inviting me to be part of it? God, how are you at work in my neighborhood? And my friends who don't know Christ? And the finances you've entrusted me? And the body that you've given me? And the spiritual gifts that you've given me? Years ago, an older pastor said to me, we were talking about pastoring and and he was mentoring me. And he said, Tom, there are a thousand ways to be a pastor. 500 of them are good. (laughs) 
Find one of the 500 ways to be a pastor that is good, that fits your unique abilities and skills and gifts, and be a pastor that way. And I think that principle applies not only to pastors, but to every other occupation as well. There are a thousand ways to be a business owner. 500 of them are good. Find the way to be a business owner that fits your unique skills, abilities. There are a thousand ways to be a teacher, a thousand ways to be a government worker, a banker, a medical professional, an artist, a student, and more. 500 of them are good. Find the one of the 500 ways that fits you best and serve in that way. But it also applies to every other area of our life as well. Tom, there are a thousand ways to be a husband. 500 of them are good. Find the one that fits you best and serves your wife well and do that. Tom, there are a thousand ways to be a good dad. 500 of them are are good. Find the one that fits you best and, and be a good dad in that way. Tom, there's a thousand ways to be a neighbor, to care for the poor, to share the gospel with others, to build up the body of Christ, and the list goes on. 500 of them of those ways are good. Find the one way that fits you best and serve others that way. You know, it's a joyful and a wonderful thing when you walk in the good works that God has uniquely created you to do and advance He's created before the foundation of the world, good works for you to do, and you do them to the best of your ability with God's strength and His guidance. The fourth and final thing we see is this is that God's rewards vary according to your faithfulness to the work that he's entrusted to you as his co-worker. Paul writes this to the church in the city of Corinth. After speaking about how we're God's co-workers, he goes on to speak about the work we do through using the metaphor of building a building. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 and on. He says, According to the grace God has given me, Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that has already been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible. For the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test it. What sort of work each has done? If what has been built upon the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss and the uh, builder will be saved, but it is only through fire. In other words, our reward, not our salvation, but our reward from God is dependent upon our faithfulness to the work that he's assigned to each one of us. It's a sobering thought that that many people who believe they're serving God but are doing it in an unworthy manner with unworthy materials will come to find in eternity that they've really done nothing for the Lord. They did it with the wrong motivation. They did it in the wrong way. You won't be held accountable for the work that God has called someone else to do. You won't be held accountable for the work that someone else failed to do. You will be held accountable for the assignments that God has entrusted to you, called you to do. Same with me. 
Only a few verses later, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. He says, think of us in this way as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. To be found trustworthy of all that God has entrusted to each one of us as his co-workers. What a goal. What a joy. What a prayer. Let's pray. I want to give you, whether you're online or whether you're physically present with us here now, I want to give you a moment to reflect. How is God at work in you to enable you to will and work for His good pleasure? Where, where can you say, thank you, God, for how you've shaped my heart, you've put in me the desire in this area to reflect who you are. If you have a desire to obey God's word in a certain area, that's God at work in you. Just thank Him for that. Or, or where might you need to say, Lord, help me with the parts of my heart that maybe have become calloused or hard towards others or towards you. Maybe like some that I've spoken to, you might say, God, I don't even want to do what I know you want me to do. So maybe the very first prayer is, God, would you begin to work in my heart to give me the desire to want to desire to do what you want me to do? Or maybe this, how are you serving as God's coworker in either gentle or specific ways? If you're partnering with God regularly in his work, I just want to say well done. And I know so many of you are. I just want to say well done to you. Maybe others of you, you sense God kind of saying, hey, I'm calling you to step in to be the co-worker that I have created you to be. Stop backing up and start walking forward. Maybe you just need to say, God, I need your help to serve in all those general ways, to, to love my neighbor as myself, to, to care about the poor, to share the good news with my, with my family, my friends, my classmates, to, to be used by you in general ways, but God also to be used by you in unique ways. Would you help me know how you've created me to serve you and others, to find purpose and joy in that? And maybe others of you, you already know. You know your unique role and assignment. And you just need to say, God, would you right now, once again, help me be faithful to the work you've assigned me to in my workplace or school, in my, my family, my relationships, my friendships, in this church, in my city, in this neighborhood. I'd like to close with a prayer that is called the covenant prayer it was written by john wesley and the first time i ever prayed this prayer i was asked to pray it in a public gathering like this like you all the words popped up on the screen and i got halfway through the prayer and i'm like i don't know if i want to pray this prayer <laughs> so i actually changed it in my heart i'm like god i don't know that i with with authenticity i don't know that i can pray these words but i'm asking you to help me to want to pray these words and so I'm going to ask you, 
if you're a Christian, invite you to pray this prayer with me aloud. It's going to come up on the screens. It's the John Wesley's covenant prayer. And you might need to say, God, I don't even know if I want to pray this prayer, but I'm, I'm asking that you would so work in my heart and life that one day I could want to want to pray this prayer in a way because I trust you so much. Will you join me? Here's what it says. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. I don't like that part. (laughs) Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praise for you or criticize for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are mine and I am Yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. In Jesus' name, Amen.